This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Open the Voice Gate for March 1st, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or, our, or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to this show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our Red Circle landing site. You click the red box that says Sponsor This Podcast, and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside Case Lowe. And Case, it has been an interesting few weeks, and we are getting into probably one of the busiest uh, four-day periods in the Dragon Gate calendar since I can remember. And with New Age Dragon Gate, we don't have a whole lot to like preview for the upcoming Cork and Champion Gate, but... I- I, I, I just want to do a little bit of a heat check. How are you feeling going into the first big weekend of Dragon Gate's year? I'm feeling good. I, I'm feeling ready. Like I said last week, I really like the title matches that have been laid out. I think they're all compelling. I think they're all interesting. I think the result on most of them is entirely up in the air so we'll cross that bridge when we when we come to it but you know we talk in this promotion a lot about how there's hot periods really hot times of the year this is a hot week you know thursday through sunday is pretty much wall-to-wall dragon gate action which is phenomenal and i i'm very excited about that yeah it's something that while i was setting up my big old calendar that i do each month just so i can keep track of okay i need to record here i need to make sure i'm doing this then i like looked at this and i was like they really jam-packed march all into this one week because after this it's sambo hall and that's it on the network but it's exciting like when i was watching the uh, kobe art center show that we're going to be talking about today it really hit me how stoked i was for this weekend's champion gate shows like all four title matches really it it's something that kind of surprised me because usually in past years, there might be one that I'm like, oh, okay, that's not really, doesn't do a whole lot for me. But all four title matches, I feel like that all the outposts and all the previews to it, I feel like we're in a good place. Yeah, I completely co-signed that. I mean, even look at last year's cards, the Twin Gate match was Mochizuki and Yoshida versus Hulk and Kai, which I don't think either of us were crazy excited about, even if we liked the Mochizuki-Yoshida stuff. And, you know, Akuda versus Yo for the Brave Gate belt, and what I thought was a a rather uninteresting Triangle Gate match with Natural Vibes against an R.E.D. team of Daya Inferno, Diamante, and Hip Hop Kakuta, how things change in a year. And then you go back even further to 2020, 
you know, another Twin Gate match that I wasn't super invested in, Hulk and Sakamoto versus Kai and Yamato on the second night. And that first night of shows was Ashita versus Horiguchi and a Benkei Dragon Daya Strong Machine J team Dragon Gate team headlining the first night, beating Dragon Kid, Arakin, and Ryo Saito. That match happened two years ago. That might that match feels like it took place 15 years ago, which just feels so dated in the context of where we are now. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think these shows are going to be really good. I like this Kobe show a lot. I feel like they have momentum within the promotion. I'm excited about a lot of things coming up. Yeah, so let's get into it. So this week we're going to be talking about their. I I don't know if this is their debut that they had at the Kobe Art Center, but it, it is because last year was a different Kobe building in February. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be talking about this. We will be previewing the four Champion Gate title matches, and we're going to talk about one of Kinesa's biggest rivalries with someone who also recently retired, Masato Yoshino. We, we both picked a couple of matches that we're going to be talking about, but let's get into this Kobe Art Center show. It was on the 27th. It'll be up on demand on the network through the 7th. So, I mean, if you haven't caught this show yet, you could really like set yourself up to watch this Thursday morning or tomorrow, you know, and then you could watch Cork and Hall take Friday off, you know, just take it easy and then have Saturday and Sunday. And I think that's all just fantastic. So this art center show don't, how do you feel about this venue? Because I'm kind of conflicted about this. So I would really like to see this venue run with no attendance restrictions and then flip the hard cam because i think it was joe gagney who pointed out that it looks like a wrestling show broke out in a college lecture hall and that is the perfect description for it but i think under normal circumstances if you just flipped things around and had a really full giant wall of fans it would look okay i actually the the, I, i didn't watch the show live so the first image i saw from it was i think it was the dragon gate records guy that had a post on Instagram and he shot it from the, the wall of chairs on that side. And I was like, Oh no, it looks really dire. Like I, did they bomb in Kobe or Mike and I going to have to, you know, dive into what this means. They actually ended up drawing pretty well up from where they were, I, I believe last month in Kobe, but just with the way it was set up, there were a ton of empty chairs, even if there were over 300 people there, but overall I liked the building. Yeah. I, I guess like, how I would like to see this building because in a lot of ways it's like across Fukuoka and that it's a narrow building. Like Cork and Hall is notoriously narrow. You just, everyone sees the hard cam and you see the floor, but you don't see all the orange seats behind you. And that's kind of the sense I get from the art center. The, the thing that I, and it's something that it, that happens at some of these venues that they don't always run is I wish they would have control of the lights and be able to bring their light kits out. Because I feel like that this venue with the proper lighting would look really cool. Like, that's the thing about Cross Fukuoka. I don't like their cross double headers. I think the venue looks really cool with the light bars and especially like the the bleed effects that you kind of get with that. And I feel like that that would be a really neat thing to have here as well. But it, it, it just is something that, you know, I, I have not reached out. Well, we could figure this out pretty soon. But I think it's something that whenever they try to book like this late February show, for Sanbo Hall is just unavailable for whatever reason, because the exact same thing happened last year, and that's why they went to... I don't have my old notebook on me, but they were at that other venue that was 
just as big as this one. Yeah, I feel like the term that was thrown at us last year was like community usage or something, and I don't know what that means, but I feel like I remember seeing that word thrown around. Yeah, so attendance was not bad, 318. So, I mean, that's higher than Wakiyama. God, that Wakiyama attendance is something that I'm going to be ruminating about this time next year. Just That just was dire. Uh, Six Max show, I really liked the vast majority of the show, with the exception of one match. Uh, what were your thoughts up, up top? Oh, this is the definition of a Peaks and Valley show because I loved, and I mean loved, a few things on this show. I had two different four-star matches on this show, but when this show was bad, there was about a, a 30 to 45-minute stretch on this show, and granted, this was not a long show, but there was about a 30 to 45-minute stretch that was really, really rough. Yeah, so let's just get into it because I feel like that we might be in lockstep about a lot of stuff on this show. Uh, we opened up with Natural Vibes versus the unnamed uh, Hot Boys. They will be named on Thursday. So, Case, before we like get into this, any predictions about their names and color schemes? Oh, boy, you sprung this on me. I, I, I truly, truly have no idea. I cannot even improvise a color nor a name i think what it, well let's let's look at coach menora real quick because we're gonna base it around him he has dark eyes very i i was gonna say if we could line it up with his eye color i don't know i think coach menora is gonna look dashing and quite frankly i think that's their only focus here yeah uh the name i feel like they're gonna like do like some sort of like handsome appeal there i have no beat on it Looking I, at like I the, really like that light blue that the Torimon generation used. Yeah. It's probably too soon to recycle that kind of color palette, but I wouldn't hate seeing like a powder blue. You know what they you know what they should look like? They should look like the San Diego Chargers. They should be wearing powder blue and gold. You know that you know I used to be a San Diego Chargers fan. So yes. you're barking up the right tree. I still have a Ladanian Tomlinson jersey in my uh but in the back of my closet, along with a Nolan Ryan one. So, y you know, I wouldn't have any no, Nolan Ryan on the Rangers, I assume. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that was a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to shut it down like that. No, no, but... no. You no stu stupid question gets a stupid answer. I, I was I deserve that, Mike. But uh, I maybe it was like some of the stuff that I've seen with uh, I. Even though this is going to be menorah focus, I do kind of have the idea that there might be some a little bit of like Doi as like the advisor. And one of the Doi's colors that we don't see him, we haven't seen a lot in recent years, but it was a big color for him is bright pink. We haven't had bright pink since World War International. Maybe it is watching one of the matches for the Kness stuff later on that kind of jogged in my head and would not be surprised maybe if to see them in, in hot pink. I could see that happening. Look, if they want to move T-shirts by the truckload, I think putting a Kota Minora shirt in hot pink would be a very good idea. I think that is quite literally hitting the demographic as hard as they can that they're going for with this unit. Yeah, I guess like the only thing that would stop me is that's Daya's keynote color, and they've already put out a lot of Daya stuff in bright pink. So maybe aqua, maybe like a strong aqua color, you know? <laughs> Yeah, perhaps a strong aqua. We'll see when Cork and Wall rolls around. <laughs> it's going to be called Strong Aqua, and they'll be wearing Strong Aqua. That'd be fantastic. But... Strong Aqua is a great unit name. If that's that's, we need to we need to pencil that away for when we have some booking power in our produce fed. Because Strong Aqua is a heel trios unit that I would like to book. 
Yeah, and they're all nautical themed. <laughs> it's the super delphin heel turn no one saw coming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna get super delphin. Uh this is gonna be after one of us went powerball, so we're gonna bring in Kyrie and she will be an evil pirate. So yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, wonderful stuff. All right, I'm on board. I'm on board, uh, but I, I do not know what color they're gonna wear. I would imagine it's something on the more feminine side, a brighter, softer color, and I think Coach Minora is gonna look very, very handsome in that. Yeah, it's just something that kind of jogged my mind. I was like, oh, this is the last time we're going to be seeing, like, Ashida wearing, like, the pseudo R.E.D. tights. Minonora been wearing the masquerade stuff. Doi just saves all his gear. So we'll, we'll probably be seeing the black and silver that he has the next time he, he is unaffiliated. So it's just Smart something. That, yeah, I, I remember the Big Six DVD they put out that, like, each per. I know I've talked about this, like, occasionally. Like, each, each member of the Big Six had their own section. And it was like Yamato went out grappling. Uh, uh, Akira Tozawa was with his parents and Hyogo. And it was Naruki Doi going through all the gear that he saved in all of his jackets. <laughs> Maybe he's just waiting for the big uh, cash-in when he retires. When he sells I was going to say, he's, he's the reverse Gamma. Like, Gamma can't wait to sell his gear, and Doi is the, he's holding on to it for dear life. You know, it's something, you know, that, like, maybe he'll, he'll, like, piecemeal it out, you know, just throw up, like, a an armband one month, you know. It, it, I mean, we'll have to see how the rampaging muscle gym goes, but, and he might need a new set of golf clubs, because there's two things I know Doi loves, it's golf and the gym. So, we'll have to me see about Do that. Me and Doi both. Doi, like, Doi's Instagram used to be, like, him at all kinds of golf clubs, which was always really good. Yeah, that's good stuff. Also, good stuff, this opening match. Yeah, so KZ, Ginky, Horiguchi, and UT versus Doi, Minora, and Ishida. Minora got the win with the gong on Ginky, Horiguchi. And just like off the top, like they've been running a lot of outpost matches for Champion Gate. And this one, you're plugging in Ginky there, but you pretty much have this is a Triangle Gate preview match. And like one of like my big takeaways is like, I feel like we can sense what the pair offs are going to be in this match coming up this weekend. Because you had a lot of heat on UT from Naruki Doi, and I thoroughly enjoyed that in this opener. Yeah, this is the strongest Minora Doi Ashida trios Ashida trios match that we've seen so far. I knew they were going to get to a point where they looked really fluid and had their chemistry down. I wasn't sure if it was going to be before or after that champion gate match. I didn't know if they needed just a little bit more time before they challenged for the belts. No, they are they are locked. And if they wrestle anything like they did here on the big stage against an even better natural vibes team, that is going to be a stupendous match because they looked so strong in the closing moments of this match. It was really the cohesiveness that I was looking for because I think all of them individually have looked good since they started teaming with one another, but I don't know if they had had that cohesive bond yet. This match put to bed any reservations that I might have had about the trio. Really, really strong opener. Yeah, and it, it's something that you like see them in, and like their finishing rush that they do, where they get someone up in the Casadora, and then you you get Nuruki Doi chopping him in, in the chest, and then. Kaido Ishida does the one set kick and then Minoru just dumps him and immediately gives him the gong. It it looks like it, as soon as someone gets isolated like Jackie Kamei, they get taken out rough by this finishing stretch. I, it, it's really been fun watching this team come together in gel over the last five weeks, I guess five weeks. Yeah, you know, if you go back 
to the podcast we did in mid-January when we did the rewind and rewatch for the Rookie Ranking Tournament of 2019. I went on a pretty big diatribe there about Kaito Ishida and how if you're somebody that picked up Dragon Gate during the pandemic or maybe even later, you're used to seeing Ishida as this shit-kicking, loudmouth, kickboxing sort of heel in R.E.D., and if you only have that backstory of Ishida, you might look at a babyface turn as being pretty jarring, but we rewatched those matches and I reassured people on the podcast, like I actually think his upside is as a babyface. And before COVID happened, which by the way, depressing thought, I don't know if we want a sidebar on this, but after we're done with champion gate, that will mark two years of COVID capacity shows for dragon gate, which is really, really sad to think about. But up until that point, when Ishida was a babyface, the crowd calls he was getting were absolutely ridiculous. And and it reminded me here in this match, he just looks so comfortable. It's not that as a heel, he was, you know, better or worse than he was as a babyface. He obviously had that feud with uh, Kaisuke Akuda, which we thought was the best thing of 2020. He killed it in that role. But something about seeing Ishida back in a babyface unit, even with the edge that he has, it's where I think he does his best work. And even if the focus is going to be Minora and Doi, and he is clearly the third guy in this unit, that is a dynamite third guy to have. Yeah. And it's something that I think that you're going to need him really strong in this unit, because it's very clear that they try to get Kota Minora comfortable as possible on the microphone. I don't think he's going to be much of a talker. Really? It just seems like maybe it comes along later from he's still super young, but Kaido Ishida can cut hell of promo. Like, even though a lot of it is him calling people in the crowd ugly, he was cutting great babyface promos before R.E.D. And that was, like, another thing about, like, people missed out on because because you're absolutely right. Like, he basically started, like, that's, that's the thing that sucks about, that's one of the many things that sucks about COVID was, like, that heel turn was so hot. And I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be so fascinating here. The crowds, like, turn on him, and we didn't get much of that at all. Yeah, but I think he's back in the right spot now. That heel turn, crowd or not, served its purpose. I think it gave him a much-needed layer to his character and his overall story. And now he's back in this role. And obviously, you know, the forefront, like I said, is going to be Minora. I think he's winning the belt at Kobe World, if not sooner. But the longer this unit goes on, I think we could see it almost as like a slingshot effect for Ishida, where if he's ever going to get to that top place on the card... I think it is going to be as a result of this unit and the work that he can kind of do almost under people's noses, just given the focus of the other guys that are involved already. Yeah. And I think that that's actually like the best case is like, all right, so Doi is the advisor really. And it's all focused around Minora, but that's something that I mean, like red in a lot of ways, especially when Ishida came in, like he was not the nominal number two by a, a lot of stretches of imagination but but it really in a way like he had that belt for so long and then he was the one other than Ata who was doing a lot of the mic work there and Doi's gonna have to have someone to talk to and it's gonna be Kaido Ishida I feel like and that's gonna be such a slingshot for him uh getting back to the match uh light night for Ginky Horiguchi don't blame him he was there for a purpose but like you had like you had like KZ versus Ishida in this and had like a great exchange there. And that's why I was like, okay, it's definitely going to be KZ and Ishida. We're going to get UT and Doi and then Kame against Minora. And we all know how that's probably going to go there. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. I went three and a half stars on this. 
Yeah, I'm at three and a half as well. And like I mentioned last week, I'll say it again here. The chemistry machine between KZ and Ashida is something to take note of as we quickly approach the King of Gate season. Those are two guys that have only had, uh, they've had two singles matches, one on next and one in a dark match. That is something that we're going to need to roll out. That, you know, they're running that triple shot in Hokkaido like they always do for King of Gate. That really feels like a night one in Hokkaido main event, Ashida versus KZ. Ooh. I'd really like to see that this year. Ooh. We should, I'll put it on the whiteboard later. We should do our dream King of Gate matchups. If we you have know a what? I, it's, it's funny you say that, Mike, because I'm going to pitch <laughs> another King of Gate idea later. It's in my notes. All right. All right. Moving on to match two. Match two is a singles match. Jackie Funky Kame versus the Kuma Fujiwara. It was a 15 minute time limit draw where I just, I like describing the finish kind of gives a lot of it away, but I just was, this match might be my, it's not like my highest rated match of the year so far, but like this is like my favorite match of the year so far. I thought that this was truly exceptional work from both Kame and Fujiwara and I want to go back in November and shake ourselves and say, like, yeah, you think this Fujiwara case seems kind of like a blank canvas now. Just wait for three months and see what he's able to do, because I thought this was a special match. So if you have not seen this match and you have any intention of going back and watching this Kobe show, pause the podcast, watch the match. Come back, enjoy the rest of the show, because from this point forward, we need to talk about the finish of this match, which, as I as I give them more time to stall and pause and go watch the match, was a 15 minute time limit draw that was thrilling from opening bell to closing bell. Yeah, and it's like stuff like that. They started doing like the grappling like, wow. Takuma Fujiwara works really well on the mat. <laughs> like he was like pulling out like submissions and, and like an overall story of this that like that they're able to kind of like and they've really kind of like with between this and the post-match stuff with like both kz and uh i, I who also was was in the ring nut basically like pulling fujiwara aside and say go get him like that they, they've told this really efficient story of this kid is on a hot streak now and everyone kind of is like taking stock of like this kid is something special, but he starts off for like the first nine minutes, pretty much dominating Kame. Kame is able like to chop him down and be able to do this, but Fujiwara is able to have his number, and then it, it then it gets into a back and forth until you get to have someone who is more experienced against the rookie. And Kame was able to get him down on the mat and was going for all kinds of crab variations until the, and it looked like he was just holding on by like his fingertips until the bell rang. And it just was a tremendous story. And both guys, like, you know how I feel about Kame. Kame was, this is a great Kame performance because he's in the, because he's in the ring with someone who's only been wrestling for four months and they were able to have a four and a quarter star match. Do you remember the t-shirts that were prevalent 10 to 15 years ago that a lot of short, arguably cute women would wear that said, I'm not short, I'm fun sized? Yes. Yeah, this was the fun-sized version of a Dreamgate match, and it's territory that I don't know if either man will ever approach. I certainly feel more bullish about Fujiwara getting there than Kamei, just given their size, but this had that pacing that I, I think longtime Dreamgate fans are really comfortable with, where it's a 15-minute match, and the first five minutes is a pretty thorough feeling out process. You know, these are two high intensity, high impact, flashy guys. 
and there's not a lot of flashiness. And what I love about Fujiwara, and I think it's going to really aid him as he goes along in his career, especially in multi-man matches, I think it'll become a much more prevalent there, is once he flips the switch, once he's on, it is such a a shocking 0-60 to of this guy going from feeling out process to hitting big moves. And what I liked in this match was we saw him add just a little bit more to his arsenal. We know his offense pretty well at this point because he's four months into his career. He's 20 years old, more on that and the history he can make later. And so we saw the slingshot double stomp, but this time we saw it followed up with a lion salt. We saw him throw all these chops in there. And now when he was finally able to get the upper hand, he went to the Fujiwara armbar. We saw him and Kamei trade these flash pins back and forth, back and forth. At one point, it looked like Fujiwara was going to beat him with a roll up right before Kamei kicked out. It's just these little things that we've seen. And I'm so curious to see what he does on this Cork and Hall show to see that final layer before we get to Osaka. What is he going to add that could aid him in this match against Dragon Diet because right now this kid is so far from a complete project, but my God, is he talented? And it's something that like it's natural to compare him to SB Kento, but they're two completely different beasts. And Fujiwara, it's something where it's like his entering, if it's not close to getting there, it's further along than most people I've ever seen four months into their career. It, it's like you're talking about like Yunakiyama, you're talking about Shingo Takagi, you're talking about Takeshi Morishima, you're talking about Utame Hayashida, you're talking about Kurt Angle. Like this is a guy that I mean that there's no training wheels on him anymore. They've already given him his second set of gear. He looks like a star. He is still growing. He's putting on muscle at an alarming pace. Case remember when he was kind of skinny? Yeah, and that was you know I was like, well, he's 19 years old. Hopefully, he'll fill out. Uh, I I was gonna give him like three years to do that, but he has taken that assignment and ran with it. Yeah, no, like this is like the inverse of whenever Binke decides to like bulk up. Like this guy just like I don't know what it was if he just just been eating like chicken breasts every hour and a half for the last month and a half, but he looks like a star. And it's something where it's like the crowd buys into him at a level that's shocking. And we don't necessarily like saying like him and SP Kento, like that's the point of comparison, but it's really not fair to him because SP Kento was his own entity, at least with like presence and charisma. If you combine those two together, though, you pretty much have like the, the sure supernova I think I've seen in a long time. Well, the feedback that I've given SP Kento and Fujiwara at this point in their career. Let's let's you know be generous and say SP Kento six months in, Fujiwara four months in. Hell, I said this about SP Kento last year when he was over a year into his career. The character work is there. I said from SP Kento's first match, December twenty second, twenty nineteen. I said, oh, I, this this is going to be a problem. Like this kid has something, projects himself in a way that only future world champions project themselves in. And I still fully believe that. And he has done nothing but reaffirm my convictions that this guy is going to be uh, the top dog one day. But I said even last year, you know, his in-ring is not all the way there. He's checked all of these boxes off of doing the cage match, of having the Gate brawl, of being able to tell all these stories. But it's not like SB Kento can go out there and just rip off a four and a half star match on a show like this. You know, we've seen him thrive in the biggest moments because he has all of these stories behind him. What we're getting with Fujiwara 
is somebody who, you know, we don't know a ton about his character yet, even though there was a lot of uh, what I'll say, you know, antics aided by his young boy status in this match that really helped, you know, him getting put in that half crab and essentially hitting uh, referee Yagi with like a swim move, like you would see a defensive lineman do to move him out of the way to get to those ropes before Kamei pulled him back to the middle of the ring and then the bell rang. There's stuff like that that I just adore, but we don't know a ton about Fujiwara as a character. What we do know is that we're two full months into 2022, and Fujiwara on almost every show he's been on has been the highlight from the in-ring perspective, and that is mind-blowing to me. I think that, I mean, barring, you know, obvious things, he's the clubhouse leader for the Worldwide Rookie of the Year in 2022. And like, that is that is something very important to note. From the Ahashi brothers onwards, because the Ahashi brothers were not eligible in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards this past year, from Ricky and Ishan onwards, and then the four kids that debuted at the end of the year, those guys are all going to be eligible for that award this year. And I would love to see in the same way that Lucha voters a few years ago finally put their heads together and agreed on what luchadors should get into the hall of fame. Maybe this is the year that the Drangate brain trust, the Western fans really put their heads together and rally for one guy to win one award. All right, guys, it's March 1st. It's eight 32 Eastern standard time. <laughs> We're putting out the call. We will be, we will be following up with this. We will be pestering, but Takuma Fujiwara 2022 rookie of the year. And while we're at it, not to get greedy, but the Booker of the Year, and look, it should have been Tony Khan. I don't have an issue with that. But can we? It doesn't have to be a. It doesn't have to be Genki Horiguchi. We could all get together and say that Konomami Ichikawa books this promotion for all I care. The issue that I have is with some of these honorable mentions in the best Booker category. Rossio Gawa. The case, guy from the- don't, don't, <laughs> case, we don't have the time this week no, no, for, no. For, for this. We Mike, don't have the time Mike, this week for this. Outside of Tony Khan, who won by 500 votes, and he should have. I would have voted Tony Khan, too. But the other six people to receive votes for Best Booker this year were Rossi Ogawa, the UFC guy, Gato, Brett Lauderdale, and Nozawa Wrong Guy. I mean, Nosawaism is a valuable uh, methodology. It's just in the wrong place at this time. Print out the Dragon Gate roster, paste them to the wall, put on a blindfold, throw a dart at the roster. Whoever the dart lands on, that's who we'll all vote for. But we cannot let Brett Lauderdale finish with (laughs) more best Booker votes than Dragon Gate. I'm sorry if you like Game Changer. That's fine. We can't let him finish fifth in Booker of the Year. Bad job out of the wrestling community for voting for Brett. 26 people, 26 people, Mike, voted Brett Lauderdale as the best Booker of professional wrestling in the year of our Lord 2021. What is that? Well, Case, I have a guy that we should. <laughs> I have a guy. It, it's Rio Saito. He is the general manager. Oh, okay. Fantastic. All right. There we go. Let's and look, revolution coming up for AEW. I love the build to it. I'm a big fan of what Tony Khan's doing. I'm assuming he's going to win the award again. But right now, Rio Saito is the answer if you're not voting for Tony Khan. Don't let Ross Yogawa win. That is the motto of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. In many ways. In (laughs) many ways. In many, many ways. But let's get back to something that's not going to infuriate me, Case. Uh, I'm a full believer in Takuma Fujiwara now and 
I know that I'm someone that like I'll find my guys like Kame, like like you were for Kabune, I was for Kame. But I knew what Kame's ceiling was. I Fujiwara is a special entity. Like SP Kento is a supernova. This guy is like a galactic event entering. It's yeah, just it, it's, it's insane. And and like I will continue to say, he's only twenty years old. I have so many questions about his physicality, how he's going to build his body, and how he's going to age. And I I feel like there's there's too many unanswered questions for me to throw a projection on for him. But right now, sky is the limit because. Again, we watched that November Gate of Origin show where he debuted, and Fuda, I think, clearly had the better debut match. Our our response on Fujiwara was, that was fine. You know, we'll see what he can do. Didn't did make a big impression on me. Very by-the-basics debut match. Nothing wrong with that. And boy, oh boy, did he come out in December and say, I'm actually going to be the front-runner of this class. Screw you, Shoya Sato. Screw you, Ria Fuda. This is my class, and I'm taking over, and he has done just that. I mean, this is, and we'll talk about it more when we preview Champion Gate, what we can of Champion Gate, a monumental opportunity that he is 20 years old and not 20 turning 21. He is 19 just turned 20, and he is challenging for the Brave Gate belt in the semi-main event champion gate in osaka that is huge it's let's hear it for takuma fujiwara like let's hear it for the boys let's hear it for the boys and you know what he, he has the pink on his tights he could be a hot boy he's not a bad looking kid yeah I, that is the direction that i think he's going to go so we'll see what happens there but yeah i'm all for fujiwara being a hot boy Match three was a Zebrats versus unaffiliated tag team match. Shun Skywalker and Diamante versus Takashi Yoshida and Jason Lee. Shun won with the ultimate gaslighting, I would say, throwing the masquerade mask <laughs> at Jason Lee, completely befuddling him, and then landing a schoolboy. And yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to gaslight Gatekeep and Girl Boss. He's getting into Jason Lee's head. And you know... I liked this match a whole lot. <laughs> Speaking of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, I know that World Wrestling Entertainment fires people during record profits and labels it cost-cutting measures. I know they work with Saudi Arabia, but if you're looking for a more fun vote for the 2022 awards, most disgusting promotional tactic might be Shun Skywalker's gaslighting of Jason Lee, because it is messed up what he's doing to this guy. It, poor, Jason was like... <laughs> I mean, like he, he just like a month ago, he was trying to figure out if masquerade was still a thing. That's just yeah. mean. <laughs> That's just terrible of Shun Skywalker. What a dickhead. Well, we were talking about King of Gate earlier, and my pitch is that I want to find a way, and I don't know what the blocks are going to be this year. I mean, they could have a 32-guy King of Gate tournament this year with how stacked the roster is right now. If they really wanted to get, you know, Horiguchi, Kanda, Yoshida, those bottom-tier guys, they could throw them in King of Gate, and we could have a massive tournament this year. I don't know what the plans are, but if we could get an all-masquerade block, my initial pitch, I thought they were going to drag out the Dragon Dia story much longer, and I wanted uh, Minora, Skywalker, Yoshioka, Dia, Jason Lee, and Estrella in the Dead or Alive cage. That story has progressed so quickly that I don't think that's an option now, but if we could throw those guys in one single block, I would really like that. 
I mean, I don't. I I think we'd have to do a four person block there because Estrella. That's asking a lot. Well, but you're gonna put Estrella with the Masquerade guys plus Yoshioka, and I, there's no one on the roster I would trust more with him than those guys, except for Diamante. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like speaking of Diamante. Diamante and Shin Skywalker, that could be a fun future Twingate challenge. You this know, is, this is in my notes. This is what I wanted to say. Summer Adventure Tag League 2022. If it were to happen, Shun and Diamante would be a team that I would want involved. Yeah, yeah. They they just like have really gelled in, in an awesome way, the two of them, and it's been a whole lot of fun. Like they are like the mini twin towers of Dragon Gate. <laughs> and that and that's really cool. And also like Takashi Yoshida. Just being the ball of charisma and the hot tag for Jason Lee in this match. Like, this was, like, nine minutes, but it was a really fun nine minutes, which is not something I often say for a Cypher Kong match. Yeah, I'm at times very off-put by comedy and pro wrestling, but Jason Lee and Yoshida were making the comeback, and Jason does that spot where he does a somersault into the corner and then kind of hits his guy with a bunch of kung fu chops, and to see Yoshida follow it up by also somersaulting into the corner and then hitting, I don't know if it was Shun or Diamante, with the throat chop that he does. You know what? Well done, Takashi Yoshida. You popped me on that one. That was really, really good. That's like an instant extra quarter star. I hate to show this guy love, but damn, he got me on that one. That was really good. Speaking of star ratings, did you have an official star rating for Fujiwara versus Funky, uh, Jackie Funky Kamei? I don't know if we said that or not. Four and a quarter. All right, I was at four flat. So spreadsheet material for both of us. Go watch that if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I was three and a half for this tag just because of how much I enjoy Shun and Diamante. Like, like them by themselves, like versus the Hashi brothers would be like a three and a quarter star match with me. And then you add the extra quarter star for Yoshida being the ball charisma. Yeah, I'm at three and a half for the opener, four for the second match, and three and a quarter for this one. So at this point in the show... I was like, damn, Kobe Art Center, we've got magic in this building. You know, this is really becoming a spectacular show. And then the show progressed from there. Yeah, then we got into the longest uh, Royal Sambo Battle Royal ever. Uh, let's break this into phases when it was fun and then when it just would not end. Please. I think that's a fair way, but when it was fun, it was when Sachioko Boy and Konamawa Chikawa both came out with boxing gloves and decided to have a boxing match, and then immediately went for a double KO, of which Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji got tagged in, and then they had a boxing match, and then it all went to hell. Well, I, I, will, I will give you one more, because the first six guys in, it was Ichikawa and Sachi, it was Mochi Fuji, and then it was Super Shisa and Ho-Ho Loon, and I was rubbing my hands together, I'm like, this is the dream team, forget Ho-Ho and Yoshida, I want Ho-Ho and Shisa running roughshod through this roster, here we go, and then everything after that fell apart. It just went on forever. Yes. And they it weren't eliminating a, people. A 15-minute battle royal. Yeah, 15-minute Battle Royal and Dragon Gate Battle Royals. When, when Ultimo came back, one of the reasons why— Oh, and we haven't talked about this yet, Case. How was visiting the principal this well, week? We'll, we'll circle back to me meeting okay. Ultimo. Okay, I, okay. I don't want to get distracted right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to bury this match. Uh, it's something like—the fear was that these Dragon Rumbles just go on forever— they just get everyone on the card. No one looks good in them. And it just like you, you you could like take great matches and make them out of the people in the battle royals. Like you, like the first six guys, that is a fun three-way tag. Give them all boxing gloves and let them go. And then it just went on forever. And the only other like note I had there is Lashreya eliminated himself doing a Tope Con Hello. So 
do we think that was a planned spot or do we think Estrella forgot the rules of the match and dove over the top rope? Uh, I'm leaning the second, to be honest. <laughs> so I saw a message in the Discord about it, the Voices of Wrestling Discord, the Drangate channel, which is the best channel on there, about somebody asking that question. It was before I had seen the match. And I thought, well, I, it, it is Estrella. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then I watched him dive over the top rope. And I was like, oh, no, that was just a great, a great comedy spot. They, they knew exactly what they were doing. And then I watched the way that the other 13 guys reacted to Estrella diving over the top rope. And I thought, oh, no, Estrella just messed up. He was not supposed to dive over the top rope. So I don't know what happened, but it oh, boy, from this point on, this match just would not end. Yeah, the final two were Susumu and Kanda. Uh, I'll run through the names because I didn't already. Susumu, Kagatora, Mochi, Fuji, Shisa, Kanda, Ichikawa, Strong Machine J, La Estrella, Ahoho, uh, Riki Ahashi, no Ishin on this show, Ryu Fuda, and BB Hulk. And it came down to the former tag team partners, and Yokosuka put us out of our misery with the Jumbo no Kachi Gatame in 15 minutes and 21. And perhaps, like, Peaks and Valleys, the most Peaks and Valleys Royal Sambo I've ever seen. Yeah, a lot of times these matches are very fun. It's why, you know, when Ultimo came back and they started doing these Battle Royals, and it might sound silly now that we're two and a half years into this, but when Battle Royals came back, I was like, absolutely not. Ultimo Dragon's influence is a problem for this promotion. Dragon doesn't do Battle Royals. That was some Torimon stuff. And then with the Royal Sambos they've done for the past year, I was like, oh, no, these are very fun. They get everybody on the card. I get to see Super Shisa. Like, this is this is okay. This was a step in the wrong direction. This was a rare, bad battle royal. Those are hard to screw up. Yeah. Uh, let's continue the misery case. Uh, Eight-man tag team match. It was high-end versus unaffiliated. Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Benkei, and, and Keisuke Akuda. Versus Ada and the Scrubs. <laughs> it was Ada, Yosuke San Maria, Problem Dragon, Punch Tomonaga. 14 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, Benke pinned Maria after Ada just did the Bobby Hill special. And I, I'll let you take this, take the microphone here, because this is still like something that I'm wondering why this match even happened. This was endless. Um, if there's any positive about this match, it's that five years from now when we're doing this show, when we're doing our Torimon X retrospective podcast, we're going to need to reference this show for some reason. And we're going to look at this and we're going to go, wait, why was Eita the star of the promotion teaming with Mondai Ryu, Punch Tamanaga, and Yosuke Santa Maria? And on paper, that's going to be really fun to revisit. But this was an excruciating 14 minutes. I thought this was going to follow the formula of Ata beating up Maria, feeding Maria to the other team, and being done. I thought this was going to be like a three-minute match because that's the way they constructed it at the beginning. And then instead, Ata kind of swerved on everybody and started to wrestle. And then this match just went 14 minutes with Mondai Ryu, Punch Tamanaga, and Yosuke Santa Maria carrying the weight. And that is not an effective formula to have a good match. I am continuously intrigued. I have not gone cold on the story. The Ata Maria thing is really interesting because I don't know how they're going to resolve their issues, but teaming with Punch and Problem Dragon 
in having matches with this story go for this long is not an effective way of getting to wherever they're going. Yeah, I'm just ready for the next step. Like, this match was like, all right, let's see the next step in the storyline. Because... Which hopefully we get at Cork, and I mean, realistically, that's when the next chapter in the timeline should take place. Right, yeah. So, like, I'm okay, like, like that the, they're hitting the gear change, hopefully, at the right time. Like, the, the weird thing about this match was, like, Ata came out, he immediately ate an Ultra Hurricane Rana and went to the outside. Like, it looked like it was going to be, like, a two-minute match. <laughs> That's the thing. Ate... They teased the Ultra Rana spot, and then, like, Puncher Maria comes, and I'm like, all right, finishing stretch, here we go. And then it went another <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it was, like, Maria selling and then just way too much punching Mondai Ryu for a semi-main event, even if it is, you know, a Kobe show. So it just, like... I very rarely do this. This might be like a one and three quarter star match because for me, like that's when you get into like actually bad, like really bad to me. And the work was not bad. It just was like, what are we doing here? Like it was an existentially bad match. Like what, what, like what was it happening? If the scale of an average match is two and a half stars, I thought this was well below an average match. This was, one of the few times throughout the year that we'll we'll look at a match, and, and it's not even one that I get fired up about because ultimately it was so inconsequential, and for the most part, I've enjoyed the story, but this was a rare bad match. This truly felt endless. Right, yeah, it just was. And, it, and it's something that, like, maybe it is that, like, with, like, Kobe shows, they do like to get nearly everyone on there. So it's like, oh, like, that's so we're used to seeing, like, uh, Ryu and Tomonaga and Maria and the Battle Royal at this point. But it just was like something that's like, all right, like you held out, like you have your your non-Lee Superface unit and they need to have people that's like, oh yeah, let's just go get these guys and we'll continue the Ada and Maria story. So just... even if you just flipped out Problem Dragon and Punch for, you know, take two unaffiliated guys from the Battle Royal, you know, Strong Machine J and Sachi Hoko Boy or whoever, I think this would be a stronger match. But, you know, like I said, Ata, Ata took a Ultra Hurricane Rana two minutes into the match and then pieced out until the finishing stretch. So we were left with 11 or 12 minutes of the weakest wrestlers on the roster against high end, which is a tough battle for anybody. And we were left with a thoroughly uninteresting match. Luckily we had the main event case. Did you like this as much as I did? Cause I loved this match. Yeah. So main event six, man, this was the big preview for the uh, second night of uh, champion gate. It was the uh, champion team of Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka, the Open the Twin Gate champions, teaming with the Dream Key holder, the number one contender to the Open the Dream Gate title, Big Boss Shimizu. First time that Daya and Yoshioka have teamed with other people since returning versus Zebras, the Open the Dream Gate champion, Kai, along with a pair of tremendous dickheads and the number one contenders for the Twin Gate, Hyo and SB Kento. Big Boss Shimizu got the win definitively over Kai, with the shot put slam in 17 minutes and 54 seconds. This, to me, and maybe you'll disagree, but to me this felt like Drangate meets Jim Crockett promotions, and perhaps it's a lazy comparison, I don't know, but all I could think watching this match was, one, anybody that is fading Shimizu is so off-base, because there are Dusty Rhodes similarities, we'll say. Again, I, I worry just because he's a bigger wrestler, that's perhaps a lazy comparison, but th there was a lot of Shimizu being Dusty in this match. 
And then you had the strong character work of Hyo Kai and SB Kento. And so this was uh, an 18-minute trios match that had layers of storytelling, and then they brawled, and then they had these really hot stretches with Diane Yoshioka carrying the brunt of this match. And, you know, it ended up being, to me, a four-star match. Yeah, and it, it really, like, felt like... Because, like, I, I get your Crockett comparison, because it would be like, all right, uh, Dusty teaming with, like, the upstart tag team going up against... You know the bad guys. Yeah, you know Flair, Flair, Arn, and Tully, or whoever. Right. Yeah, and it just like really felt like we're teaming up there, and you just you had like a very charming babyface side, and you had like this idea that like Daya is just like a ball of happiness whenever he comes out there, and he was like so and, like like him on like the the tur the on the uh in the corner, you know, on the turnbuckle, just like getting so happy for Shimizu doing his stuff there, and I was like, this is like a good time thing, and then like they brawled all the way up and down the uh the cavern and that was a lot of fun and then Hyo and sb kento just like being obsessed with rabbits is a thing now because they kept on doing their rabbit jokes when they put uh yoshioka and daya and uh chen locks and that cracked me up as well like this was just it hit all the notes you got the preview you got the teamwork you got a brawl like they've been very sparingly they've treated the zebrats brawls very sparingly which i like a whole lot and I really feel like this was like a great way to get someone hyped up for Champion Gate because we have this new heel unit. They feel great. We have the Twin Gate champions. They are a cohesive unit. They have been lighting up the shows ever since they returned. And you have Shimizu who feels almost like a full hero in a way. And just like things like even had like the Crockett cell of when Shimizu put down uh, Kai and then he does the cartwheel and the Scott the Scott Hall taunt afterwards and Kai just does the full flare flop there. That was like, all right, this is just a great time. I I couldn't have said it any better myself. The, the other thing I'll add, I thought it was really interesting and this is not projecting their future in any way, nor is it a slight on Shimizu and Kai. I think it's just a reflection of how talented these two guys are that we're in a six man tag main event with the Dreamgate champion, and the Open the Dream Gate number one contender, and it's Espy Kento and Hyo, who I thought just popped off the screen with the way they carried this match. A lot of this match felt like their style of a match. And again, it's not, I mean, Shimizu and Kai were great. This was the go-home match that I was, I, I, I needed. I, need, I needed some sort of confidence in Kai to be able to put forth a great match with that belt around his waist, and he did. But boy, oh boy, did I like seeing Hyo and SB Kento rise to the occasion with genuine stars in the ring with them. Yeah, and it's something that like we've been saying since Z-Brat's form that it's like, all right, Kai is nominal leader, but it really does feel like this unit is SBK and Hyo. And this was a match that really felt like, all right, this is kind of them, them just being tremendous assholes throughout it and doing the brawling and just hitting every note here. Like This is an easy four flat for me. Yeah, four stars for me as well to go along with the four-star Fujiwara versus Kamei match. A very fun Kobe show if you essentially, if this if this show was a sandwich, you would just want the bread. Take the first three matches, or take the first two matches. Oh, no, first three. There, How many matches were on this show? Let me pull up this card real six, quick. Six let matches. Me, let me figure out this stupid analogy before we go any further. You're going to want the first three matches and the final match. Forget the sandwich analogy. It didn't work. I didn't stick the landing. We're going to move on. All in all, Kobe was a very fun show. I can make this work, Case. Here we go. All right. I love a good French dip. 
it is probably it's one of those things that I don't get a whole lot because it's terrible for you. But oh, what the this dramatic is, the dramatic pause you took after I love a good French dip. I would not be doing my job if I did not point <laughs> out how just how beautiful that was. Go ahead, set the scene. Mike Spears loves a French dip. You have the floor, Mike. Go. Yeah. So for those who don't know French dip, you get French bread. Uh, you get Swiss, you get a, you get roast beef, you griddle the sandwich, and then you have the au jus to dip it in. This, this show is, the bread's tremendous. The cheese is melted perfectly, but it's some of the grossest roast beef ever. That's what this show was. Bra- bravo to you. Well done, sir. Hey, I was going to make it work. I, I, I liked what you're throwing down, and you know, that's why we're a team. You know, you, th- you throw the alley-oop and I dunk at home. Uh, yeah, just an absolute fun show. This is a show that, you know, when we get case, when we when we start talking in the year, I'm going to try to remember this show as like a small show of the year just because you had two four-star matches on a non-cork and non-big show. That worth, that's worth keeping in the back of your mind when you consider best small show of the year. Yeah, you know, when we did the 2021 awards and we were looking at the smaller shows, it was a little hard to decipher some of them because it was – a great red versus masquerade match on this show and a great red versus masquerade match on that show this one will stand out from the crowd simply for that fujiwara kame match that is going to be an easily identifiable and memorable match uh when we hit december of this calendar year yeah no this is something that is going to be a whole lot of fun and you know it's gonna be up until the 7th i mean get yourself a dragon gate week i know it's revolution week i know it's AEW week i'm gonna be watching all of it case we're gonna be watching all of it but Treat yourself. Perhaps, you know. there, perhaps there's some audio coming between the two of us about AEW Revolution. Perhaps. I'm not saying there is, but perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, perhaps it's the first month best time to sign up to a certain Patreon. <laughs> perhaps. It, it just, just think about this, and I'm no party planner, but you could build your first week around March. Let's say you haven't seen this Kobe show yet. So you're going to listen to this podcast. You're going to watch the Kobe show, hopefully on March 2nd. I beg of you that you're listening to the show on March 2nd. March 3rd is Cork and Hall. Mike, do you know what is on the pro wrestling calendar on March 4th, 2022? Well, it is a live revolution from Orlando, for one, but what okay. else? <laughs> that's not, wait, not not revolution, right? Uh, uh, Rampage. Rampage, yes, that's yes. right. Okay. I, was, I was not referring to AEW I, I, Rampage. I was thinking about my own personal calendar case. <laughs> what other show there is? Is there? Sorry, English Mike. <laughs> Don't yell at me. I agree with you. Uh, on on March fourth, twenty twenty two, from Shinjuku Face, it is the Ryuku Dragon Pro Show with Yamato and Garukin Mask against Takashi Sasaki and Jun Kasai, as well as Keizy and UT challenging for those tag titles. So if you can get Twit Casting to work, which is a maybe, March fourth, you have that show. The 5th and the 6th is Champion Gate in Osaka. I'm going to try to watch both of those shows live, so I'll be tweeting from the at Open Voice Gate account. And then Sunday night, you end your weekend with Revolution. I mean, oh gosh. We're going to get a lot of, uh, we're going to get Gurkha Mask on Thursday. I just realized that. Thank you for reminding <laughs> yeah, me. We're going to see Gurkha Mask dance with natural vibes again. Yeah, I, I can't wait, Ryan. That's so sick. That and so- I, that's, you know, I'm so. <sighs> There's not a lot to love with pro wrestling Noah and DDT. And if you're a Tokyo Joshi pro type, that too. But I have been a Wrestle Universe subscriber all year. And that is such a good streaming service. And it makes me so upset. And part of what I love about it 
is that they're now broadcasting these zero one shows live on Wrestle Universe, these Cork and Hall zero one shows. I want this Ryuku Dragon Pro show on the Dragon Gate Network. That it drives me insane that that's not happening. That I have to go to Twitcasting instead, and I don't know how to work that. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing about that: we know it's a partner promotion. We know. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Put it on the network. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I know we have a loaded week next week, but if we can get footage of this show, we will be talking about Yamato and Gurkin Mask versus Sasaki and Kasai, because I really want to see that. Yeah, I mean, it would be doing a disservice if we don't, you know? No, we, we are the official Dragon System podcast, and if Jun Kasai is going to show his face in the Dragon System, we're going to talk about it. Oh god, he might be in Corican on Thursday too. Oh, I I I don't know about that. There's got <laughs> hey, you know, COVID, it's all you can't have visitors hanging out. Jun Kasai feels like a visitor. We can't be doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> if Jun Kasai shows up, I would be so bummed if I wake up on Thursday morning. Those Corican shows happen like basically from the time I wake up uh, to my commute into work until my job starts is basically the time frame of these cork and hall shows now i would be so bummed if i fire up my little work computer go on to twitter and i see junkasai's face on my screen if he's in cork and hall that's gonna bum me out so much hey i'm the one reviewing it buddy that's it, it, right. I, i'm you, the Mike. one that's going to bite the bullet if there's a junkasai match here that's that's very that's very true i will be reviewing both of those champion gate and osaka shows for voices of wrestling.com mike is doing me the favor and we'll have the written review of that cork and hall show i before we talk about champion gate attended an indie wrestling event over the weekend mike is this the appropriate time to talk about me meeting the principal in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe i can pull a ken Griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
We've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I would say so. So how was it in the Gali Arena meeting Ultima Dragon? I want to talk about Ultima. I also want to talk about this Gali show for a little bit because I have a lot of thoughts on it, mostly positive. Uh, this show took place in Melrose Park, Illinois. That means nothing to anybody listening, but I just need you to know that I took two trains and an Uber to get to the show. It took me about 70 or so minutes to get to. I would do it again for Ultimo in a heartbeat because all I wanted, I've seen Ultimo once live before. So I'm at AAW in 2017. I was a freshman in college when I saw Ultimo. And this is 2017. This is before he had worked his way into Drangate. And so, and I, I, I think I've said this on the show before, but my opinion was like, oh, Ultimo, you know, he's coasting on this legacy. He doesn't work hard. You know, he turned his back on Drangate. I, I don't want to deal with this guy, even though I drove 90 minutes to go see him. But I was glaring at him from the merch table. I, I did not want any part of Ultimo that night. A few years later, you know, four and a half years later, Ultimo is the dude. I love this man. He is, you know, the definition of work smarter, not harder. And I had to go see that in person again. And I really wanted a mark pick with Ultimo Dragon this time around. So I show up to this high school gym, which was a very nice place to watch a pro wrestling show, honestly. And I clock Ultimo as soon as I walk in. One of my big takeaways from this evening, and this crowd was fantastic. It was maybe 70% families in attendance. And I, I love being at shows with kids because they react they they react so much stronger to most things oh, yeah. and they and they They're react the to the weirdest things. It's it's a really fun way to watch a show. This whole crowd I'll talk about the crowd in a second. It was so much fun. Um Bandito over like a god. Aerostar and Drago really long lines at their merch table. El Macias, the former Mil uh Mil from Lucha Underground might as well have been Hulk Hogan. I could not believe the reaction that guy got. Ultimo Dragon? Not a line at that merch table. I walked my ass up to him. Big smile on my face. I'm a mustache guy now. I don't know if people knew that before I posted that picture. I have grown a mustache. I've been looking for a way to talk about it on this podcast for about six weeks now. This is my opportunity to do it. New personality. I have a mustache. I walk up to him. Big smile on my face. Dragon Gate t-shirt. I'm thinking like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna pop for the Strangate shirt. He's gonna know I'm a real one. You know, I, I I didn't watch him in WCW. I don't care about his WWE run. I know Ultimo from like what's up. I'm a big Drangate head. I'm thinking like, is he gonna understand what a podcast is? I want to tell him I have a Drangate podcast. And he clocks me walking up and vibes immediately off. He's looking at me going, ah, oh, this kid's gonna talk about Toriumon X. He's gonna say something dumb. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna do this. Uh, He's gonna talk about Los Carlos Exoticos. And I don't wanna talk about this. I'm here to make money. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I thought Taiji Ichimori was gonna be a star. What can I say? Um, so 
just again, Ultimo, so happy you're here. Such a big fan of Drangate. And he just points at the like the the uh merch table and like the the price of everything. And he's got a I don't I the I don't know if the appropriate term is handler. He had somebody with him who was doing most of the communicating with me. And she was like, okay, uh t-shirt $25, picture and an autograph 30. Uh these masks are 600 and I said, wait, hold on. How much are the masks? I wanted like a like a little commercial Ultimo Dragon mask for my apartment. Sure. Yeah. He's only selling the pro-grade, possibly ring-worn Ultimo Dragon mask. There is no little gimmicky mask here. He is going top what a worker. shelf. Top what a shelf worker. Ultimo, and, and I should note, and again, I, I asked this lady three times. I said, how much did you say the masks were? And she said $600. There's a sign. You can see it in the photo I took with him. The masks say 150, which even that is outrageous. I should note the guy sitting next to me bought an Ultimo Dragon mask and wore it during the entire show. But I I, I want a picture with them. I'd pay the $30, get my autograph on the Torimon Reunion 8x10. Ultimo doesn't come out from the table to take the mark picture, which is really concerning because I know it's going to make me look fat in the picture, which it did. And it was very upsetting, but big handshake with Ultimo, throw my arm around him, hit him with the peace side. Ultimo, I just want to say, I'm so happy you're in Drangate. It's so good to see you on those shows. And he kind of hits me with a, yep. Okay. And that was, <laughs> that was the end of it. And then I realized at that point, I was like, okay, well it's 30 minutes before bell time. I traveled an hour to get here to do one thing. I just did that thing. There was a part that was like, I could go home now. Like, I don't actually need to see Ultimo wrestle. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I walked around. Uh, I, I could not pull the trigger because, like I said, I took, I took the train there and then an Uber. On the way back, I was just going to Uber home. But I, 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 I just, I, I knew it was going to be a bad look if somehow I ended up back on Chicago public transportation and I had like a Santo mask in my hand and like an Ultimo Dragon 8x10 in the other. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hold off on the merch tonight. If I can get a, a a viable ride next time from, you know, rich at Voices of Wrestling or just, you know, whatever happens, if I, God forbid, make a friend with a car that wants to go to a Lucha show, like I can hit the merch table harder next time. But this is one of those deals where I've got the 8x10. I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to sit my white ass down and I'm going to watch this Lucha show, which was so much fun. I had the time of my life at this show because the crowd was so great. Like I said, it was mostly families, but the people that that were there, even if they weren't with a family, they had drums, they had fufazelas. They do you know the um like the wooden thing that you wind up and it makes a ton of noise? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know the name of that? God, I should know this. I would see them at Marlins games all the time. I'm looking this up right now. Baseball musical instruments. Because you'd have that and there's also like the one that almost looks like a washboard. You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but no, it's the best because like the making names the entire t- or making noise the entire time. Like I, it's it's the reason why I go to big time shows because the kids will be out there. But like a lucha show, that sounds like even more of a blast. To be honest, it was it was absolutely insane. And, and if you a Cubs fan is gonna be yelling in his car once again because I can't think of the name of this. If you know the name of it, hit us up on Twitter. But I I the, the, it was just loud. It was just noise the entire time. And it was the greatest thing. The undercard, I will say, I, I love these shows. I will be back at some of these galley shows in the future, especially if they're not running Sunday nights, because that was that was tough for me to 
to do that from as far away as it was and then get up for work the next morning. If they were on Friday or Saturdays, I am there. Uh, the undercard stuff was so bad it was fun. I saw a girl land on her neck giving someone an arm drag, which I had never seen before. And then after intermission, the heavy hitters come out and there was a six man. It was Team Lucha Underground versus Team Galley. And I don't I unfortunately I don't know the names of anybody that was representing the home promotion, but on the Lucha Underground side, it was Aerostar, Drago, and El Macias. I, I would say this is a four-star trios match. I mean, this was so much fun. Watching Aerostar in person is a totally different animal. The air he gets, even in a ring like this where the the middle rope was really shaky, which is quite nerve-wracking to to watch Aerostar work with a shaky middle rope. Oh my god, that match was phenomenal. The semi-main was uh, Bandito and somebody who I don't know the name of because they did an injury angle before the match. They took out his original partner. Sam Adonis came in and uh, destroyed this guy's arm. So they had a, a homegrown guy come out. I did not catch his name, but it was Bandito and him against Golden Dragon and Atomico Jr. And again, you would think Bandito was the biggest star in all of pro wrestling with the way this crowd reacted to him. They did this crazy crowd brawl. I don't know if it would hold up on tape and i haven't seen any footage of the show so i can't say for sure but in the building watching bandito brawl with these guys in the high school bleachers and then you know in between that you know just guys glomming onto bandito like he's their hero like he's their idol i mean it was really really cool to see in person the way they reacted to this guy that match was a lot of fun too and then the Ultimo match, it was him and Arrow Boy against Sam Adonis and Puma King. Puma King, very fun to watch in person. I did not realize he was as big as he was. That is a large human. Um, Mike, how do you think the Ultimo Dragon indie match tour main event went? I am willing to guess here. I I, I did manage to find out the, find the Lucha Database card, but it doesn't have most of it, the, the show on there. It does have Arab Boy and Ultimo versus question mark and question mark, question mark. So you got to see La Impresa. But, uh, does it have guess, Bandito's partner on there? Uh, El Bandolero. Now, nah, see, that was, the, that was the original partner, and okay. then they took him out with an injury angle. I don't know who this guy was. He was good. I liked him. And I wish I knew his name so I could give him the plug, but it's not in the cards. So Ultimo, I'm guessing he did his spinning kick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he did his bulldog head scissors takeover. I can't even guarantee that. And he probably did a couple of chops and arm drags. Chops and arm drags for sure. That I know he Hell did. Hell yeah. What a worker. <laughs> what a worker. Ultimo was on spring break vacation this man maybe took five bumps and i'm being very generous with what i call a bump he let arrow boy take a lot of this match a lot of puma king on arrow boy in this a lot of i saw a lot of those interactions ultimo just kind of hanging out at ringside and then i don't know what happened on the finish but the heel team just kind of rolled up arrow boy and Ultimo just watched it happen. Like, he may know what... He well, that's what he it. does in Dragon Gate. He just watches uh, pinfalls happen. He doesn't care. And it's great. <laughs> it wasn't... He wasn't being held by Sam Adonis on the apron. He wasn't trying... You know, he wasn't being thwarted from getting in the ring. He just watched his partner get pinned. And then, okay, all right, on to the next town. And it was such a glorious thing to see in person. Because I, I was just talking with someone about it. I don't remember who it was, but just... You know, Ultimo 
has become such a charming individual on Dragon Gate where he works, you know, the second or third match on the card. And I always say, you know, I think I could have a match with Ultimo because I know all of his signature spots. Mike, you just listed all of his signature spots. It, it's so fun to see him in Dragon Gate when he's with these world-class wrestlers doing his thing. And then you watch him on an indie show and that charm is just gone. It is just a guy who is collecting a paycheck and rightfully so. He's one of the most famous pro wrestlers for 30 years now. He's earned this. But my man did not exactly punch the bump card too often on this night. This was a very easy Ultimo performance. I mean, he doesn't punch the bump card on most nights. That's, like, it's very true. But uh, uh, I respect uh, it. I yeah, honestly, oh, that's not a dig. That's not a dig. Ultimo, I you know, I'm I'm beyond work rate. I've transcended work rate. I'm about working. Ultimo <laughs> might be one of the greatest workers working today. I mean, six hundred dollars for a match—that is magical. That I, is fantastic. Dude, I I I swear to you. This woman said $600. I said, wait, how much? And she said 600 And then I moved on. And then as I was exiting the conversation, I I, I thought... So Roy Lushier took a picture with Ultima the night before. And I thought Ultima was selling face masks, like COVID face masks. And I was going to be in on that. But it turned out to just... I, from the picture, it looked like a mask. It ended up being a towel. And I... I don't need an Ultimo Dragon Towel. I have a lot working against me just in my social life, and Ultimo Dragon Towel is not going to help things. Um, but I, I wanted, I wanted to give him money. I wanted to hook him up, you know, at the merch table, other than with the thirty dollars for a picture and an eight by ten. And so I said one more time, I was like, just, just to be like, how much was the mask? I, she told me six hundred dollars. Maybe she just saw my Dragon Gate shirt and was like, oh, this guy's going to buy it. And I thought about it, but. I, I I swear to you, she said $600 for an Ultimo Dragon mask. I respect that so much. I've been looking up what they... Because he does sell his gear a lot. So He like, sells that's... those gimmick masks. Because I remember at the AAW show, Rich from the flagship podcast has like a $20 Ultimo mask. Right. And I wanted one of those to put next to my Universal Lucha Libre poster. So when women come into my apartment, they know what's up. I, you know, I thought it was going to be a really nice, a nice display. I was going to make it the pro wrestling poster possibly look less dumb or way more dumb. I would, I couldn't tell. I, I, I couldn't tell what the vibe was there, but uh, no, Ultima was only selling the professional grade worker quality masks on this evening. Yeah. I went to the, the website where he usually sells stuff in Japan and all he's selling now are photo books are autographed for uh, Takayama. So I can't immediately quote to see how much you, you are getting worked there. I, Let me I, see on the on the uh, the Gaiora Drangate website, uh, the Shop DG Pro, yeah. Ultimo Dragon Goods. Hold up, but, but, but while you do this, Bushi is right now charging one hundred and ten thousand yen for a mask that he used. And give this me the year. rough rough conversion on what that is in USD. I will do that right now. One hundred and ten thousand yen. Make sure, don't forget a zero there, to USD. That is $956.51. <laughs> That's awesome. On the on the Shop DG Pro site, he's selling one for what turns out to be like $35. That's what I wanted. I would have bought one of these. But, uh, oh, for sure, not, yeah. Not of, not of the cards on this evening. Yeah, it looks like that everything was faded against you. So, Case, now you are a big golly pro fan. And I, I really am that that show the, the point I wanted to make about that was in the answer to this is not just to appropriate lucha culture because obviously those fans have an expectation of what that show 
should be and what their role should be in it. But, and I will tie this back to the dragon system. It made me think of how uninventive for 20 years, and we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of Ring of Honor. So it's the perfect time to look at this for 20 years now, how uninventive American indie promoters have been at pushing their product. Every show, unless you are blessed with a Reseda Legion Hall or a Laboom, or of course, you know, a Manhattan Center or a Hammerstein, a building that does more than just house your show, a building that takes on a life of its own, which is something organic that you can't create. Every show is the same and every crown feels the same and the presentation of it is all the same and you get transported into this this lucha indie show universe and you are watching a completely different animal and it's why you know we could make fun of some of the things that gabe tried at the start of the Gate usa run but stuff like having thunder sticks i think does so much more good than it does harm and losing those really hurt the atmosphere of some of those early Dragon Gate USA shows because people give up. Again, I don't need every every indie show to have a drummer in the crowd like this show did, but it would help if they tried something new because the format of indie wrestling has now been the same since February 23rd, 2002, when Ring of Honor was born. Yeah, and it's something that, like, when I talk about Big Time, Big Time is still cribbing off of 1983. So it, it it's something, the fact that, like, golly, and with the fact that, like, I know that golly, like, bringing in, like, those those names, I know how, like, they, they somewhat advertise. They are not going for a normal indie audience. I think that's a fair way to put it. And instead, going towards family. And family. And this was something that was always the big thing about when Roosh was ROH champion. Like, there was, like, very little, from what I could tell, uh, outreach marketing towards... Uh, uh, Latinx uh, communities. Yeah, no, and... that, that, that'll go down as a, one of the most fascinating things from late stage Ring of Honor is Roosh, Bandito, Flamita will throw in Ray Horace uh, and obviously all of Roosh's family. And to my knowledge, they only attracted the Ring of Honor fan base. I don't know. I don't think there was a groundswell of Hispanic fans that gravitated toward this promotion. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But that was never the impression that I got, despite the fact that they were booking some of the biggest names in Lucha. Yeah, and names that would sell out 1,500-seat uh, discos in Atlanta for Mucha Lucha Atlanta. All the all the time when Ring of Honor was having issues with that, so the, 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 that's always something that like, how how big was the crowd there? I I'm interested. So they had, and I'm horrible with estimates. I'm going to give you a number that's way off. I'm just letting you know that before I start this mental gymnastics thing that I'm about to do. So four rows of chairs on three sides of the ring, plus the bleachers, and the bleachers were very full i, I conservatively two, I, i'm 200 to 300 i mean that sounds right but I, that's i i'm horrible with that sort of stuff hey i mean it i know se- it seemed like if i if i i think 250 is a very safe bet and if i'm okay. wrong i apologize but it seemed like a 250 ish and people that were there again the the stars of this show bandito macias aerostar drago to a degree, Ultimo, they knew who they were. They knew what their spots were. I mean, the Bandito uh, German suplex deal that he does for his finish, it, like I said, it was like Hogan dropping the leg. I mean, everybody knew what that move was when he hit it. 
That's just so sick. I love it. That was, uh, dude, Bandito. So Bandito, like I said, it's a crowd brawl, and he's up in the audience for a lot of it. Uh, and then the match finishes, and before they throw money in, and then before he goes to the back, he just goes up into the bleachers and starts taking photos with fans. And it was it was the coolest thing. I had so much fun at this show. It was such a good time. That rules. That rules. I'm sorry that you almost got that. That, that Ultima was trying to work you for a mask. Actually, I'm not dude, sorry. Like dude, that's an dude, honor, dude. He wanted no part of me. Oh god, I loved it so <laughs> much. He's just like, yeah, no, drink it. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, is that all you're buying? Okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk this dude's ear off, but uh, he was not having it. God, I, I, I th- that that's so cool. I'm sorry. That is so cool. <laughs> no, oh, I, no, it's this is a much better story than me having a conversation with Ultimo Dragon. This was me shaking his hand, going, "Again, Ultimo, I'm so happy you're in Dragon Gate. I watch all the shows. Big fan. Uh huh. All right, cool. <laughs> Moving Good. on. Cool. Walk away, weirdo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, I, maybe it was the old logo Dragon Gate shirt that I was wearing. Like, did, oh. did did I approach him and he saw Magnum Tokyo and got PTSD? Like, I don't know what it was but boy he clocked me it just had no interest hey he got his friend to make the new logo you you you, you should have come correct or not come at all and, well, and if, he... if he would sell that on his pro wrestling tees page or if the uh Drangate uk sponsored pro wrestling tees page would sell the new logo shirt i would buy it that's fair that's fair so champion gate is this weekend we've talked a lot around this uh we only know the title matches but that's enough for us to talk about it is the fifth and sixth for Median arena Osaka two we have the brave gate and triangle gate on night one we have the twin gate and the dream gate on night two on night one we have dragon daya versus takuma fujiwara and this is going to be uh i think a test not of fujiwara but Really, we have not seen much of Daya as a single since coming back. I This is the one match that I don't see. Actually, the Daya matches I don't think are really in doubt here. But this is one that I'm interested to see Daya as a single. Because remember how short that SBK match was. We really haven't seen him a lot unmasked as a singles wrestler. I think that'll be an interesting test against the uh, Black Hole Takuma Fujiwara. In his career, Dragon Daya, 29 singles matches. Only, if we look at post-pandemic stuff, he had three King of Gate 2020 matches, a singles match in an empty arena against Big R Shimizu, a no contest against Takashi Yoshida on the October 7th, 2020 Cork and Hall show, the five-minute Dragon Daya, Daya Inferno DQ match at Kobe World 2020, a... 11 minute no contest with Die Inferno on November 5th, 2021, and then the 92nd Dragon Daya SB Kento Bravegate match. So the point of that is it has been a long time since this man has wrestled a worthwhile singles match in front of a crowd because uh, the, the last time he had any singles matches of note was in the empty arena King of Gate, and then he went on to do the Die Inferno stuff which were all prolonged angles, and then the SB Kento match, which was so short. This is going to determine, I think, a lot of the vibe this week. And if this match disappoints, it's going to be really hard to get up for the other matches. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because I look at this match, and maybe this is recency with the uh, Art Center show, and I have a belief this is going to be the match of the weekend. I And if this match is a letdown, then... You know, the other ones I'm not as high on anymore. 
you know like it kind of takes things down a notch so yeah i i'm with you on that saying this is going to be the vibe check of the weekend i i like the possibility of of the main event of night one i think that doy boys natural vibes match could be a real scorcher if everything clicks the way it will it's a lot of pressure to put on a 20 year old to say that this could be the match of the weekend but with the way he's performed he's asked for this i mean this is the expectation that he now has in him merely challenging for this brave gate belt at 20 years old puts him into really rarefied air if you look at the start of the brave gate in 2005 the first champion was doy he was 24 years old when he won the title and in an effort to try to find the youngest people that have even challenged for this belt you run into a very odd pattern where the the first few years of this title, it's all people in their mid twenties. It's guys, 24, 25, 26, 27. And then once you get the, the, you know, the first class guys start challenging for the belt, you get a little bit older that way, but it is a belt that is primarily a a mid twenties belt. Uh, Notably uh, the notable exceptions being generico who challenged for the title in January of 2008. He was 23 years old when he challenged for the title. Then MC Casey, was just 22 years old when he wrestled Genki Horiguchi for the Open the Brave Gate at Kobe World 2008, which is a super underrated match. I cannot recommend it enough if you haven't seen it. You know, Tozawa was 23 the first time he challenged for the Brave Gate. Same with Pac. Ricochet was 22. Ata was 21. Rich Swan was 22. And then you get into Flamita, who, if we believe the age that we've been given, and there's always been some conjecture about how old Flamita actually is, but Flamita was 19 and a half. He was born November 30th, 1994, and won the title on March 16th, 2014. He has Fujiwara beat. He will be the youngest Bravegate champion forever and ever and ever at 19 years old, winning that title. But still, you look at the other names here, you know, they're all 24, 25. SB Kento was 21. Fujiwara, like I said earlier, he's not 20 going on 21. He is 19, just turned 20. And if there is any way that he wins this match, and I want to get your percentage of if you think Fujiwara can or will win, but he would beat SB Kento to the punch of now being the second youngest Bravegate champion ever. I think that 20% chance. I would say 20 is much higher than I thought you were going to go. Yeah. Just because they've really gone full court press with him, you know, to a degree that like, yeah, SB Kento that when he went from Kento Kabune to SB Kento, he won the title, but that was after, you know, 11 months. This is someone that uh, does, does Takuma Fujiwara even have a cage match profile yet? No, but I and yes. I love I, I love our friends in Germany, but they are slacking on some of these cage match profiles. La Estrella doesn't have one yet, and he's been on the roster for a year now. I know you, you guys have a lot of data entry to do, but if we get on that <laughs> La Estrella profile, that'd be great. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's going to be something that it, it, this match, like, it, it's going to be the test of both these guys. Like, as you laid out, you know, where Takuma Fujiwara can enter a rarefied air, and then Dragon Daya singles matches like this is like such a aberration from how he's been booked for the first four years of his career that I just like the the, the reason why I'm giving him a punch change is just because of like how he's just been like completely just this 
cosmic event that it feels like that. It's like, oh, this kid is really good now, so we're going full court press with him. And 20% is not a good shot. Like, you never take 20% odds gambling. So I don't think they're that high. How low are you on this? I give Fujiwara maybe a 2% chance, but I'm still going to bite on every single near fall that he has. Yeah, I mean, like, that's going to be the test. Like, if they can get the crowd into, like, the double stomp near fall and, like, the uh, the Cabrata near fall, then we know he has something. Would like to see, like, him, like, have more, like, of a moveset. Like, the arm bar was a neat thing to see on Sunday, but that's really what I want to see out of him is, like, we've seen him do a lot of stuff, but I want to see it that kind of congeal into, like, a actual moveset and not just holy shit, this rookie just did an insane slingshot double stomp, and that is an incredible cabrata he's able to pull off. I, I, I really like want to see him take the step into solidifying things. They're, they're going to give him every opportunity to do so. They've done that already with him. I think this is going to be more of the same. He has proven now in a singles match capacity with this Kamei match, he's, he's answered the challenge. He seems to be able to handle everything they've thrown his way I don't see why this match is going to be any different. What I'm most curious, actually, is if he gets his own theme song or if he sticks with the Future Dreams theme that all of the Future class, minus the Hashi brothers, have been using. I think it's time for him to get the theme song. I, I think, I would I think be... that'd be a really cool moment. Either they debut it in Korkin or they debut it in Osaka. I think that'd be a very cool moment for him to to debut that song. Yeah, it, it seems like it'd be appropriate for him. I mean, remember when Benkei suddenly got his theme song w- when he beat uh, Masaki Mochizuki in three minutes? Like, then it was yeah. like, oh, he's now a thing now. And I think that that's something that for Fujiwara, it, if there is more than just smoke to the fire to him, he needs to... I, I think that he's already graduated up above future at this point, but he needs to kind of put those trappings away and be, be a big boy. You know, it, it's a shame we can't get my bookie prop bets on Champion Gate because I would love to know the odds on will Takuma Fujiwara have a ring jacket? Uh, will Takuma Fujiwara have a new theme song? Will he debut a new finisher? All things that I would really like to know. Yeah. And those will be the things I'm keeping an eye on on Saturday. Uh, the Triangle Gate match, I think we could assume that's going to be the main event of night yes, one. That, that, that is the main event. Yes. Okay. So it is making their first defense. It is the Natural Vibes team. KZ, along with Young Vibes of UT and Jackie Funky Kamei, challenged by Doi's Boys, the International House of Hot Boys. They will be named at this time. Naruki Doi, Kota Minora, and Kaido Ishida. I would say that this is the one that I know you said 2% chance for the Brave Gate. I would be stunned if, the, like, it would have to be like injury. We need to have a finish. You're not losing the belts this night. Uh, Minora's army's winning this match like there's no way i can't see them not winning this match here okay that's really interesting because i disagree i think natural vibes is retaining really i just yeah. think that like it's something that they love to do to solidify a new unit is to give them the triangle gates immediately and i think that this is a textbook title change and you know sorry for ut for your first title since you were a rookie and sorry for kame you know this is your first title belt period but it's not that they're belt pillows, but it's in service of having a great main event and then putting the mat, the belt on the new super faces. That's the thing. Natural Vibes just won these titles. And right now, I'm just, I, and it's my mindset, I'm so focused on how are we going to get Menorah the Dreamgate belt 
that I think him being a Triangle Gate champion, even if you want to give it to him, you know, from here to Dead or Alive or from here to, you know, the June Cork and Hall show, I think it's just going to bog him down. I don't think they need these titles right now. And I know that's not necessarily the way Dragon Gate thinks of whether or not a guy needs a title, but I I, I think Natural Vibes is winning this. I think we're going to get a Kamei flash pin on somebody or preferably a dominant KZ win and they're going to roll through this week and retain their titles. Yeah, like, if Natural Vibes wins, I think it's KZ pinning Ishida. I think that that's kind of the thing. Like, Ishida is clearly notched below Doi and Minora. That's so, what I was going to ask was, yeah, it, who's taking the fall on this Minora team? And I was going to ask that, you know, to you of, okay, they win the titles, then who loses? And, uh, yeah, now that I talk this out, it's it's definitely Ishida, not Doi. Right, yeah, I mean, Doi still has that cachet at a certain level that Ishida, like that, and like that is the thing about if they become champions, and you're, they're eventually going to have to lose these belts. Uh, side question, Case. Mm-hmm. If Natural Vibes already made a defense, are you still as certain that they're retaining here? Is that a trick question? Do they already make a defense? No, they haven't. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I was a positive. Um, no, I came into this weekend thinking that Natural Vibes was, or I, that, that the Minora team was going to lose, and that I'm not wavering on that. I, I, I still think they're taking the fall here. No, that's fair. The, the, it, it, it's something like that. I mean, you, you're fully looking towards uh, Kobe World of Minora getting his crowning achievement there, so... I, I appreciate that you're not going to be dissuaded. I was trying to find a way to kind of trick you into that. You're you're looking. They don't have a date yet for Kobe World. I was about to say that that's the that's the day you have circled in your calendar, but they don't have that available there. No, they uh, just released the they just released the May schedule, um, and they are having a late May Osaka number two show. Mm-hmm. Normally, that's one of the first King of Gate stops. This year, it's at the end of the tour. And I don't I don't think that means anything, but that'll be intriguing to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, man, they they always have a... Those Akaido shows, just like... I just imagine that that's just always hell, just, <laughs> just with the way that's set up. But yeah, no, as we've seen the previews, like this match has a chance to be exceptional. Though I mean, we know that we kind of have a sense of the face-offs, and if the if the hot the hot boys win, like really they could pin all three of them, and that makes sense, and it's not really diminishing for anyone there. But I mean, you have Casey Ashida, UT and Doi, Kamei and Minora. I think that you have a lot here to sink your teeth into. I feel I feel really good about this match now that we've we've seen what these two teams are capable of in Kobe. I think they're going to turn it up to another level here, and I I'm very very excited for this match. Moving on to Sunday, uh, we have uh, the uh, Twin Gate Championship match. This was set up at Memorial Gate. Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka will be making their second defense of the Open the Twin Gate titles against SB Kento and Hio. SB Kento and Hio are obsessed with thinking that, that, that these two guys are rabbits, Case. Have you noticed that? They, they just love making fun of them and giving them rabbit, rabbit ears. They love it. What can I say? They can't get enough of the stuff. Um, do we get new Twin Gate champions here, Mike? I think it's a contingency. I think that if Kai loses, then you're going to want to have belts and Zebrat, so they would have to win here. But with this press they've done towards Daya and Yoshioka, if, if they lose here, then it's like, okay, then why are they together at this point? Like, it, they're going to be named. 
and they've already like have had them like front and center of like the initial merch pr- push of the year, which is really important in Dragon Gate. And you have Hyo there, and Hyo can eat falls all day long. So I don't see a title change happening, but it is a contingency. If Kai loses, I think they need to have some belts and zebrats. I'm with you here. I think Dai and Yoshioka retain. I think that's the right decision. I think this team is far too young into their reign, or I guess far too uh, new into their reign, and far too exciting to take the belts off of at this point. I'm really curious to see what this match looks like. Daya likes to fly around. Yoshioka likes to work a really fast pace. Hyo and SB Kento aren't those guys. You know, I think there was a natural chemistry with Estrella and Jason Lee. This Hyo SB Kento challenge will look nothing like that match, but I still think it could be a really, really good match if they allow themselves to have it instead of getting bogged down in Zebras interference. And uh, I, I, what I guess the larger point here is I would like more of a Daya Yoshioka match than a Hyo match. And I'm really curious to see what we get. I don't know we're going to get that. Because, I know, that's what I'm afraid of. Because Kai has made a point that his Dreamgate matches are going to be fought clean. That this is going to be your walk and brawl here. We'll, we'll be seeing how far they can throw Daya into the seats. That's true. We haven't seen that spot in a while. That that group, that gym class parachute spot they do with Daya. That is 100% happening in this match. Right, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get slung up into the air, and then they're going to sling him into the sheets. This is going to be your walk and brawl match, I think. So, as much as I'd be real interested to see like this happen, the, the like them working at Dai and Yoshioka match because there really still is a lot of uh, meat left on the bone with Dai and SBK. Everything considered, I don't think that's going to be happening in this match. I I, I think your worst fears are going to come true with this match. And remember, Dai and SB Kento have terrific chemistry, so there's there's going to be a lot to like uh, between those two in this match. Yeah, and then we get to the championship match, the Open the Dreamgate championship match. Kai will be looking to add the second dream key to his title belt as he defends against Big Boss Shimizu. Case, from the start, you thought that Shimizu is going to win the belt here, that Kai's reign will end in Osaka. It will be a hometown win for Big Boss Shimizu. Are you still, are you still riding that pony? Yeah, I'm going to commit to this bit, even if Shimizu pinning Kai clean with a shot put slam may be a little bit nervous, but they have spent months giving Shimizu dominant win after dominant win. The arc they have pulled from him getting kicked out of R.E.D., doing Team Boku and Bukaltimo Dragon and all of the comedy that he did from King Shimizu to Big Boss is really a phenomenal feat of storytelling from where this guy went from killer to clown and back to killer again. I think he is ready. I think he could handle the spotlight. And I think this is the right time to do it to me. He feels like a really hot challenger. I don't know if you feel the same way, but to me, this is the logical next step. He's killed all of these guys for months. It's time. He beats Kai for the dream gate belt. I, I think th- there's going to be a couple of tells, I think, early on if this will be a tile change here. First, I, I there's nothing about Big R's. I'm, sorry, I'm still calling him Big R <laughs> a year and a half afterwards. <laughs> Shimizu, there's still things in Shimizu's act that work in Dragon Gate, but aren't necessarily a thing for Dreamgate matches, for Dreamgate champions. 
that if he comes out and he's not wearing the Rikishi Mawashi, I think that's a, I think that's a tell. I think if they don't do the natural vibes dance for this match, that's a tell. And I think that if those things happen, then I'll be more open to the idea of a tile change here. I, I, I look at this as like he's getting back on the rails, but it's not going to be a question of if and when with him. Like we've seen that he is now back to where he was, one could argue, before he became the sleaze lord. So I could see them, and they like being people in their hometowns. I could see the I, I I'm probably sixty forty Kai at this point, but as like everything's gone on, I've become more and more open to the Shimizu idea. I think that they will give Kai I think that they will it's gonna be interesting if Dead are alive. It'll be interesting with Dead or Alive. Like that's an because you're then you're getting the question of how long does the Kai ring go if he doesn't lose the belt here. And the fact that they're willing to do tile changes than Edeon too. It's an interesting match. Like, I might be coin flip. I'm talking myself into a coin flip here, case. Yeah, I just... I, I I think you have a lot of room to work with with Shimizu as champion. I don't know where Kai goes unless... And this, you know, might discredit the arguments I've just made. Unless the next stop for Kai is Minora. And you get, you know, Kai to Minora, and then what I think is still going to be the Kobe World Man event of Minora versus Skywalker with Minora retaining. That's that's a possibility I could buy into. If if Kai retains, I hope that's the direction they go with Minora either winning at Dead or Alive, or I guess winning in June at, at one of the stop shows there. But I just I think this is Shimizu's time. Th- this my feeling on this has far less to do with Kai than it does with I just think Shimizu is ready, and if they're ever going to pull the trigger on him, now is the time to do it. Yeah, because if Shimizu doesn't win here, then you're looking into next year at the very earliest. Yeah, I I mean, if Shimizu doesn't win here, then I will accept that it just won't happen, because this is as hot as he's been, in my mind, maybe ever. He'll have to Royal Road it. With the the exception of King of Gate 2016, where we knew Yamato was winning, but mm-hmm. Shimizu was on his level in the finals and throughout that tournament. And had they done Shimizu versus Shingo, it's obviously not at that point. It would have been a world caliber main event, but Shimizu versus Shingo in 2016 during that Shingo run would have made sense. And I think Shimizu would have been a credible challenger, but the story was there for Yamada. So he had no shot. This is the first time that Shimizu has been in the spot and has felt like he could win the belt. And, and even you being 60, 40 Kai or 50, 50, on this match is a testament to Shimizu because he's never been in that sort of spot before. Yeah, no, everything else was a no doubter uh, champion retains. Really, like, this is the first one where he feels credible in a way that you know. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Hulk leading up into when Hulk won in 2014. You know, like it took Hulk having the Royal Road set out for him. You know. So and, and the consensus there was okay. If Hulk doesn't do it here, he's never going to do it now. Shimizu hasn't been through a decade of Dreamgate failures in the way that Hulk, you know, probably six or seven years of Dreamgate failures at that point. Uh, It's a little less dramatic. It's not like Shimizu has those two career rivals, one with Yamato and one with Shingo. But you're exactly right. It feels similar to that Hulk, that Hulk spot of World 2014, where if he wasn't going to beat Yamato then, he was just never going to be a Dreamgate champion. 
But also with that, it should be said that Hulk at that time already was pretty dinged up and was older. Yes. Like, yes. Is, is Shimizu, Shimizu, I think, is 31, I think? He was born October 1992, so he will be... 30. He'll be 30 this year. Well, he's Is Shimizu only 29? I mean, he looks older, but I mean, like, he, he's been... Like, when we talked about the Kness stuff closing out the show, like, seeing him on Ring Boy Duty in 2013, like, he's just been around forever. You know what I mean? This roster, let me tell you, Shimizu has been... He debuted in May of 2013. He's nine years deep, and he's 29 years old. These guys are unbelievable. <laughs> this, this roster, let me tell you, Mike Spears, these guys are unreal. I mean, that's always been the case. They, they go young in Dragon Gate, so, like, the window in Dragon Gate does skew younger, so... Yeah, I'm still 50-50. I was trying to see if I could talk myself into thinking Shimizu's gonna win. I just think that Kai... I think that they're going to hold out Kai until dead or alive still. I think that that's kind of thing. And I think it's going to be Ada getting the big one later on. But yeah, that is uh, Champion Gate. As we've mentioned, we have a lot of stuff we'll be talking about next week on the show. We will be giving our reviews for Corkin and Champion Gate. Uh, written reviews on Voices of Wrestling. I've got the Corkin case. We'll be doing both of the Champion Gate shows this weekend. But we now, Mike. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to cut you off because I don't want you to transition to the next topic. I don't have a ton of time. Do we want to pencil the Kness matches that we're going to talk about for two weeks from now when there's not a show to review, or do you want to speed run through them here? I'm going to let you decide. I don't care which one. I'm just letting you know the law of the land. I'm looking at the clock right now, and for these matches, I. how about this? How about we do a full show about Kness and Yoshino? That's the thing. I think, yes, because we can talk about the T2P match, and we can try to find some of their other matches. I think that would be a better use of our time, because we, we can talk for 90 minutes about Yoshino versus Kness. Yeah, l- let's do that, because I didn't realize that it's getting late, and... Uh, we're almost into hour three territory here. Wow. But but when you get cases starting talking about Galley wrestling, you can't stop. You, I you, really you, enjoyed that show. That was I'm very, very glad I made the trip. Yes. So in that case, any other like we don't know anything else for Champion Gate. Uh something I've noticed, and it could just be with how things are. Haven't seen Shoya Sato here lately. Do you think we might get a futures versus veterans match on these shows? Because I feel like that they're at a point where they need to kind of get them ready here. Just one one last thought in my head before we go. I don't I don't know anything. I just assumed with the way he disappeared that he's dealing with an injury. Again, I don't know that. Don't aggregate that. That's just my assumption given the way that he's quietly disappeared off these cards. If he's on the show, that yes, yeah, that we're gonna see him wrestle Don Fuji in some capacity. If he's off the show, at that point I'll reach out, but I'm assuming it's just he's off for precautionary reasons. Yeah, that makes sense here. I, uh, I hate, by the way, and I said this last week. I hate that we don't have a single match announced for Cork and Hall. We know there's going to be a Jimmy's reunion, mm-hmm. but it oh. sucks going into a Cork and show and not knowing anything. I can't stand this mystery vortex stuff. I picked the wrong night to be wearing my Jimmy's 8-bit t-shirt case because I have my Jimmy's shirt on now. And I completely spaced when I put it on. I've completely spaced that Cork is going to be based around the first ever Jimmy's reunion on Thursday. Yeah, that'll be a good time. I just I wish I wish we knew what the match was going to be. I wish we knew what the next six matches were going to be. Do you think we can get Gherkin Mass? Do you think we might see Gherkin Mass do a Jimmy's train? Yeah, he's a Jimmy's member in spirit. He wrestles like he's a member of the Jimmy's. He has fun in the ring. Oh, God. I mean, I can't wait for that. But unless you have anything else, let's get out of here then.
no, this was this was very fun. And uh, two weeks from now, we'll talk a lot about Kness versus Yoshino. Yeah, sorry, sorry for teasing that. We on air production meetings. That's open to VoiceGate trademark. We'll, we'll be able to because there's a lot to get into about Yoshino and Kness. So didn't want to do it short shrift here. But you can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back with you next Tuesday talking about the biggest week of Dragon Gates 2022. Take care.